Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Yeah. Oh, man. It's my favorite time of the year. My favorite show has made a comeback. I'm excited. I'm going to have to pay my Netflix bill specifically for this occasion because I just don't be giving Netflix my money. You got more questions you can ask me personally. But Black Mirror is coming back. Season 5, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Black Mirror. Uh, like my personality, it's the perfect type of television show just for me. It's very anthology. It doesn't give you too much of the of the narrative. It just lays out a myth, gives you a couple actions on the myth, and then lets your brain fill in the rest. That's my favorite kind of content. Bimo, how did you feel about Bandersnatch? How did I? F- I thought... To be honest with you, Alexia, I thought Bandersnatch was the perfect combination of old technology and new technology. Word. I thought it was beautiful, man. That shit was genius. It. Uh, I watched it at a bad time. Did like you? it just made me so paranoid. Yeah. Oh man. It was re- meaning it was really good. It was yes. really well done. Yes. There's a if, yes. So I'm a fan of the Bandersnatch. I was going to talk about that in a second. Actually, I think that was actually a uh, Bandersnatch was a beautiful piece of technology, and uh, I was. It's, Interesting to people who didn't like Bandersnatch, they were like, oh, I didn't want to pay that, imu- take, pay that much attention to my TV while I was watching. And I was <laughs> like, well, okay, I guess it's just not for you. I mean, you know, um, so I'm excited. Uh, Bandersnatch was a great little teaser. It got me excited. I watched it, you know, a few times. Uh, but now Black Mirror has come back. I'm going to watch season five tonight. I'm going to roll me a nice Southeast breakfast and we're going to get it done. You hear me, Alexia? Okay, here we go. Oh, but anyway, I'm sorry. We do this every time. I want to welcome you to the Over the Shoulder podcast. This is your chance to eavesdrop on two professional, well, me, one professional creative as I discuss the sources, happenings, and inspirations from the creative industry, from film to production to music to culture. Join us each week as we push the envelope on the possibilities of the creative industries. Our host today is me. We will have a that's me, Bimo Brown, your boy at Bimo Brown. Uh, we will have a special segment from Backpack Matt. He is out of the studio today. He got to do his job, job. But as usual, we are coming to you live from the lobby of the Line Hotel with the full service radio. What's full up? Radio. Shout out to the amazing producer, Miss Alexia. I see you, girl. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. It's so glad to see your face in the place. You know what I, I mean? No, I missed you last week. But I I'm missed here you. Again. <sighs> Welcome back. All right, let's get the show started with the word of the day of the day. Today's word of the day is brought to you by dictionary.com. I'm going to read it to you live. Today's word of the day, noun, appellative, appellative, A-P-P-E-L-L-A-T-I-V-E, noun, appellative, a descriptive name or designation as bald, as in Charles the Bald. <laughs> okay. That's uh, uh, quote in connection with his appellative of the whalebone whales it is of great importance to mention that however such a nomenclature may be convenient in facilitating illusions who comes up with these quotes man I'm not reading that shit I'm sorry it's today's <laughs> today's word of the day is appellative so if you're feeling a little focally challenged I think we would describe you as appellative I was appellative in the face for my first 24 years of life and now I'm trying to get my goatee to Connect. You feel me, Alexa? Here we go. I'm there. 
All right, because it's just me today, we're going to jump into uh, the next segment, in which is called BMO Goes Too Deep. Of course, I am BMO. Let's get it going. So, as a content creator, I find it pivotal to constantly investigate that which inspires, confounds, and disrupts creativity. Each week, I'm going to explore one creative concept, destruct it to its creative atoms, and analyze its foundation in hopes of expanding the discovery of the creative process. This week, I think we got a good one. Is so far sounds an agent of gentrification? Now, I know we talked about gentrification for the last four weeks, but something very interesting happened in the news. So uh, among other producer life type situations, one of my responsibilities as a creative is to develop an artist. The D.C. creative infrastructure is still infantile, although several individuals and groups have commenced their journey to uh, to attain substantial impact. Our artists have a hard time getting consistent exposure and diverse audiences. That's just a fact. In, D, in D.C., I'm sorry, So Far Sounds is the most consistent way to do so. Advertised as an intimate space with random artists, So Far has the ability to create artist-friendly spaces with minimal effort and maximum profit. New fans, new environments, consistent exposure. I've seen artists put together full tours strictly from so far sound gigs so what's the downside right so it's the money so in exchange for all this exposure in exchange for their consistency and the ability to perform in over 80 countries under one music umbrella the one downfall is the money artists are paid 50 to 100 dollars for 30 to 45 minute sets and those are the non-sponsored shows so um right (laughs) Right. Um, right. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Right. So an article came out. This is two weeks ago. Right. From TechCrunch. TechCrunch wrote a scathing article uh, in which it announced that so far sounds had received twenty five million dollars in investments from outside investors. Before then, they had garnered six to eight million dollars specifically on this model of intimate settings, uh, diverse exposure, uh, consistent performances and these little hundred dollar fees for artists. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I got to mention the other side. The other side is there's a Billboard article in which there's an interview with the head of So Far Sounds in which he says So Far has the intention of taking this $25 investment and creating infrastructure that will continue the practice of consistency, uh, diversity, so forth and so on, right? So then like a little, a little like light went off in my head. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Something is going on. Then I recall a conversation that we had with Chris Pirate in here about three weeks ago, and he detailed the very specific steps of gentrification, right? Gentrification being that the displacement or the removal of current culture to appease to a higher middle class culture, right? So he defined the steps as this. He says, uh, investors look for an opportunity in which nothing exists or there is something that barely exists. They then put artists into that situation to add swag, consistency, allure. Then they raise the prices on that specific entity or creation so that artists can no longer live there. And now it is residential and then you get that that realty flip, right? So now I'm thinking about that in terms of So Far Sounds. So we have an organization that is paying artists very minimally to perform their art um, in exchange for diverse crowds exposure, so forth and so on. I think that is fair to a degree because you can't pay every artist $1,000 to do a 30-minute set. I completely understand. 
What now brings us to the fork in the road as it pertains to So Far Sounds is now they have received an additional $25 million and now their mission has to remain the same or the mission is kind of like, it's at a fork in the road. They could take a left and they could continue their very grassroots approach to supporting artists or they could take a right and turn into more of like an industry, typical industry record label position and what they do with this 25 million dollars is going to be pivotal so the first question that that i asked as soon as i read the article was like oh okay so if they got 25 million dollars and they already had six to eight million dollars based on um building on on top of artists the my natural selection is okay so artists going to get what 100 to 200 dollars now um so I, I reached out to just so you know i'm just not Poking boat, poking, uh, poking fingers on the bear. I reached out to So Far Sounds, and I actually have a good friend of mine. I'm not going to name her, um, and we had a, a a very decent conversation about the trajectory of So Far. And I'm going to be honest with you, uh, my overall, uh, I guess, judgment is still neutral. So there's nothing. I'm not scathing uh, So Far Sounds, and at the same time, I'm also very skeptical of so far south but we had our conversation and one of the points that she made was that uh as an industry uh so far sounds is still going to use amateur talent to try to build a platform for amateur talent and then i asked her very bluntly i said is there another organization or another music label or some other entity that mirrors the practices of so far sounds and her response was no and that led me to my final trepidation at this fork in the road, I feel like So Far Sounds is a beautiful um, case study of what modern music business and modern, modern music labels could, can, should look like. On one end, it could continue the practice of giving artists full ownership and therefore more autonomy uh, by putting the money in their pockets and providing the content for them. On the other end, they could build an industry. They could build artists' communities. They could build, I don't know, uh, studios and, 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 and record booths and, and content distribu dist uh, distribution uh, branches. They could do a whole bunch of things. And I think uh, m my final point, just to, you know, to, to finalize this, this deep thought is, with So Far Sound, especially for those in the creative industry, I think it's important to study those who, have, who are trying to go in the direction that you're going in. I think So Far Sound, again, is at a, a branch in the road. And I'm very excited to see um, which way they go as it turns as it pertains to artist support, and that's been BMO goes too deep. If you couldn't find it, swim for it. Read your articles, do your googles. Miss um, Alexi, if you don't mind, we're gonna jump into a musical break. This is my boy DJ Detroit. He's coming straight off his old album Amores, coming to you with something hot and fresh. I hope y'all dig it. Make sure y'all follow him at DJ Detroit on Instagram, Twitter, and all that. Let's get to it. Give me one reason why I should take you back. One. I didn't think you could. You still love me? I still love you so much. I miss you. I'm scared. And I'm miserable.
Detroit, you got another one player. Make sure y'all check out. Uh oh. Well, by the time this comes out, the album will be coming out. It's dropping tomorrow. This DJ Detroit's new album, I think it's called Wonder. Make sure y'all check that out. DJ Detroit at DJ Detroit on Instagram and social media. My boy Backpack Matt is not in studio today, but he did record a little special something for us in his bag. So let's go ahead and get in the bag, baby. Uh oh. Oh, here we go. Yo, what up? It's the kid, Backpack Matt, a.k.a. Mr. SBO, the silent partner. I couldn't be here in the studio today. Shout out my boy, BMO. I see you. I know you're holding it down. Shout out Alexia. Shout out Jack. Shout out the whole full service radio team. Uh, but I didn't want to uh, let an episode go by without me dropping my in the bag. So here it goes. So I'm sure you've heard the headlines, or at least seen it on Twitter. But shout out uh, to, the, to the man himself, Jigga, Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z, for finally hitting that $1 billion net worth mm-hmm. mark. That is a high, high, high mark to, to, to achieve. Uh, to, it's, it's something that we all dream of for the most part in life, at least in some point, having a billion dollars. I mean, that alone is crazy. Uh, besides that, Jay-Z has been one of my favorite rappers since, you know, I was, I was about seven or eight. When I remember Hard Knock Life um, and that Annie beat, you know what I'm saying? I didn't really... You know, I wasn't really too tuned into hip hop that much, you know, but but when I would hear that at Aftercare, it stuck with me. And ever since, I've just been like a big champion of Jay-Z. Everything that he raps about um, comes from a, a holistic perspective. Uh, he gives you the ups and the downs. He gives you the motivation. He gives you the warnings. Um, and, you know, what you do with them is up to you, but it all comes from his perspective. And look where it's gotten him, you know, to be, you know, I know not all billionaires are people of necessarily integrity. Um, but I think it is safe to say that most of them, if they remain billionaires or didn't come into such fortune, definitely worked hard to some extent to achieve that um, that level of uh, financial status. So just to break it down a little bit more before we uh, wrap that part up of the bag segment, I just want to list some of his investments. And uh, I'm, I'm reading this off of Forbes right now. Uh, it's only right. I know a lot of other outlets have uh, talked about Jay, but when you're a billionaire, we only talk about Forbes. You feel me? So, or Black Enterprise, I guess. So, true, true. 
310 million in net worth for pretty much owning the the brand that is Ace of Spades uh, uh, or that owns Ace of Spades. So he owns 100 percent of that. So, you know, we always talk about the stigma of of African-Americans and more importantly, more specifically, rappers endorsing alcohol um, and that being kind of their their big uh, champion uh, product that they they push uh, to the detriment. And we see with somebody like Jay, when he does it a particular way, uh, it works and it's it's worked to the point where it's gotten him three hundred and ten million so far. Um, After that is Duce, another liquor brand. Um, and he owns partial percentage in this, but uh, Forbes calculates that this is uh, roughly a hundred million. Uh, title, which is third, everybody gives Jay shit for title. Well, it's more like seventy thirty. They give him shit. You know, they kind of prefer Spotify, Apple Music because those are kind of larger, more uh, more historical companies or brands for that. But but Title's been doing a very good job, and it is the number one streaming platform out of most out of all of them, I believe, that uh, has the highest royalty rate for artists, which I'll dive into yep, in the next yep. segment of In the Back. So Title has uh, netted him about a hundred million as well. What's actually crazy also is that I missed uh, two hundred twenty million from cash investments. And then after you get past title, which is 100 million, you get to Rock Nation, his sports and, and music management company, which has netted him so far 75 million. And just keep in mind, this is the uh, second iteration or third iteration of what rose out of the ashes that is the legendary Rockefeller Records. So this isn't even on the on the list. But after Rock Nation, right? So five or six down, you finally get to his music catalog, and his music catalog is about 75 million. But the big point is. You know, that's what we know Jay for primarily is his music catalog. But you have five other brands and and diverse assets across different fields uh, that have netted him more, probably in a shorter span of time, too. So uh, all that work for the music catalog isn't even the the set of assets that net him the most profit or margin or or just net worth in general. After you have the music catalog, you have the art collection. You talk about the Basquiat, the Magna Carta era, blah, blah, blah. But that blah, blah, blah for him is 70 million dollars. And then real estate, of course, everybody's on the real estate wave now. He's been on that real real estate wave. He talked about the potential to buy some spots in Dumbo back in the day, and he missed out on that. But he didn't miss out on $50 million in net revenue from real estate. So I just want to wrap that up, man, uh, you know, especially on the heels of the passing of Nipsey Hussle. And, 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 you know, there's a shortage of rappers who are really telling you that full story, the pain um, and, and the praise and, and the ups and the downs and gives you the full honest perspective and gives you a human perspective. And so for a person like that, a black man like that to, to sit on a billion right now as a rapper is, is a big win for everybody involved and who loves hip hop and who loves African-Americans and, and black culture in general. Let's get to the next in the back segment. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oops, uh, wrong bag. Okay, okay. Here we go, here we go. So this, uh, this, this next segment comes from an article that I read a couple of days ago from Verge, which is a, a popular tech blog slash news site that I like to frequent. Um, and the title of this article was Metadata is the Biggest Little Problem Plaguing the Music Industry. Mm. So you might ask, what is metadata? So metadata is basically data about data. So in the context of music, it would be all the underlying information tied to a release of a song. So uh, as few of us remember, the credits on the back of the album, right? So if the data is the actual stream or the MP3, then the metadata could be the song title, the features, the songwriters, the producers on the song, the engineers, and even the publishers or record labels with a percentage tied to the success of the musical release. So ideally... These details are stored next to a song or project within a database, like an Excel spreadsheet, but a, a little bit more complex. However, 
Multiple entities host the music at different points of the project's life. So the label might have a version of the song or the song at one point, and then Spotify might have their own version of the song in their database. Same with Apple Music and Tidal, as we just talked about with Jay. And they all seem to have different naming and structural conventions of how they mark the metadata, right? They, they all store information about each song a little different because they're different companies. So everyone is using different metadata elements and money credited to most of the entities I've named are never paid out. For example, the label might use a metadata tag called lead engineer for songs engineer. However, Spotify might use a different metadata tag to define the same role, but call it Pro Tools engineer, for wow. example. Okay. And because the tags don't match, that engineer will probably miss out on a significant amount of money that's owed to them. So the point is, the relationship between music and technology extends further beyond streaming, sharing, and distributing music as we know it. We know the current battle between creatives and online distribution and commerce platform centers around content's worth and true value. But the calculating, but calculating that true value means digging deeper into the infrastructure of how or how digital work is stored and properly allocated um, in that proper allocation of credit, my apologies, to those who help produce the work behind the scenes. We need to pay those who are not the main artists but helped create the song in the first place. These discrepancies probably won't impact the truth, impact the performing artists as much, and probably not the label, but time and time again, we see creators behind the scenes get overlooked and generally fucked over. I know for a fact we are over the disrespect. What do we need to do, right? So what is the solution? At the beginning of the age of personal computers, each vendor had their own proprietary software, operating systems, and protocols. So everybody had their own way of doing things, right? So products from different vendors couldn't communicate with each other because of this. A Dell PC couldn't communicate with a MacBook at all because they were two different companies and how they designed their infrastructure with communication for their brand was different than their competitors. Eventually, the industry had enough of the problem and introduced national and international standards of protocols. Um, each vendor had to adhere and use those protocols and uh, doing so opened up the world to boundless connectivity and eventually the World Wide Web. So once everybody started using similar protocols, actually the same protocols and the same general structure, uh, then it made it a lot more easier for like somebody using a Dell PC to send an email or even reach somebody on a MacBook computer or vice versa. Mm. Uh, so with music, digital rights and metadata, universal standards and protocols for properly classifying metadata elements of digital songs and albums, uh, this decision should not just lay in the hands of the industry, uh, but it should include input from all the independent creatives and small shops to ensure proper representation and consistency through and through. So what I'm saying is the digital music industry or the music industry in this digital era needs to uh, i don't know if that's with the national federal government or, or or if they can do that alone as private organizations just come together and agree on some standards of how they store metadata and properly uh labeling uh, all these people behind the scenes so that when the numbers crunch and the data moves and the dollars are allocated to the people in terms of repayment or payment for the work and success of the song that everybody who was a contributor to that song gets their just due um so, yeah, that's all I have for uh, In the Bag. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the episode. I look forward to uh, catching up with y'all next week. And, uh, yeah, stay over the shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, Matt. Appreciate that, brother. He'll be back in the studio with us next week. I think um, there's some very value, valuable information that Matt just uh, shared with us, just a couple of, couple of responses. The Jay-Z being a billionaire, I think that's a 
beautiful situation that's great for not only black economy but the whole creative economy as jay-z is really stepping up and becoming a leader uh, every time i hear nipsey hustle's name i just i just smile now and it's just warm and i wonder what place he would be in now um uh receiving this news what happened to dr dre being the first billionaire i gotta do my googles because i i guess i missed something i thought he was the first billionaire or maybe he just got 900 900 mil or something like that well, come on dr dre i need you to step up this also means that my spirit animal uh diddy lost the race to a billion dollars but that's all right we're still on the way bad boy for life baby um metadata that's a very uh nerdy subject i think it's uh as people who are in the creative industry especially as supporters and us managers um it's very interesting things to stay tuned to because uh, as you know, I think last year, artists missed out on close to $200 billion worth of revenue in the creative industry just on little small things such as metadata or um, what's it called? Streaming rates. Uh, so, Matt, I appreciate you, as always, shining the light on the tech side of the things within the bag. We're going to jump into another song. Miss Alexia, go ahead and cue up my girl, Taylor. In case y'all didn't know, this is my first produced record of all time. This is Twisted Lullaby off of the amazing album Out of Bounds. Make sure y'all checked it out. Miss Taylor, go ahead. Say, rejection is a hot pill to swallow. Patience. Is a tough truth to follow Tired of waiting I'm growing impatient Aren't I worthy of a relationship? Love overboard, it's over boy The bar broke before the storm The shit is done Has no more, has no more Picking up the pieces Of what we used to be Treading lightly Treading lightly Rock a baby Rock until you go to sleep, rock until you go to sleep Listen to the word, not the world And love will find you patiently, patiently waiting What is the king and who will he find me? These ones aren't worthy, these nights are too faced This weed on the surface, I'm nervous and perfect Mood shake rock ships causing turbulence Overboard, it's overboard The power broke before the storm, the shit is on Hearts no more, hearts no more Love overboard, it's overboard The power broke before the storm, the shit is on Hearts no more, hearts no more Love overboard, it's overboard The power broke before the storm, the shit is on Hearts no more, hearts no more Love overboard, it's overboard The power broke before the storm, the shit is on up the pieces of what we used to be Treading lightly, treading lightly rock by baby Rock until you go to sleep Rock until you go to sleep Listen to the word, not the world And love will find you patiently Patiently waiting Hoping I 
doctors wait will soon be over I'm seasick of y'all, the shit is tortured My knight in shining armor, twisted lullaby yeah. Waiting in the water, hoping that this wait will soon be over I'm seasick of y'all, the shit is tortured My knight in shining armor, twisted lullaby Oh man, oh man, oh man, that is still my jam. A year later, that's still my jam. That is Twisted Lullaby by the amazing Miss Taylor. Make sure y'all follow her. Follow her on all social media platforms at Stay Sunny Tay. That's Stay S T A Y Sunny Tay T E Y. Make sure y'all check out the album on all streaming platforms. That's Out of Bounds. Came out a year ago. The joint is still cranking. It's got a visual album to go with it. Make sure y'all check that joint out. Uh Mr. Lexi, we about to wrap up, but before we go. I have an I had an idea, right? So I was um I was reading the local news here in Washington D.C. and I saw a problem jump up, and the creative and the entrepreneur in my head was like, whoa, 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 there's something here. So I want to walk y'all through that. So there's a bookstore in Washington D.C. by the name of Sankofa. Sankofa is an African proverb meaning that it's okay to reach down while you're reaching up at the same time. The whole spirit of community. Sankofa is across the street from Howard University right here in Washington, D.C. Uh, it is one of the only black bookstores in Washington, D.C. Uh, and it is being caught up amidst some of the complications of gentrification. So here's the problem. Uh, Sankofa, who is current on all their bills, they want everybody to know that. I talked to the owner. They're current on all their bills. They're good. Sankofa's property tax has increased a whopping 25% over the last year. So this year, the property tax bill is $30,000. Now, for those who are familiar with the Washington, D.C. area, you know that um, we are in a surge of gentrification. There are condos and high-rises and um, fancy stores popping up everywhere, therefore pushing the value of the property up in D.C. And Sankofa, who's been um, black-owned and existed in D.C. since the early 90s, has been able to grow with and adjust to that culture until this point. And uh, for those of you who are aware, uh, Washington, D.C. was voted the most gentrified city in the United States right now. So just keep that in mind. So that's the problem. The problem is uh, in order for Sankofa to stay open, they have to pay the property tax bill. The other problem is they pay the property tax bill. They'll never be able to create enough revenue to keep the business sustainable and growing. Um, so that's the problem. So the solution in practice right now, Sankofa is petitioning to the Washington, D.C. government to to get a 10 year tax abatement. They want to be able to use the money that would be uh, charged as property tax for the advancement of their business. So they want to be able to expand kind of like if you from the Baptist church, kind of like the building fund. They want to be able to expand. They want to put a. a um, more technology into the uh, into the institution. They want to be, bring in liquor licenses so they can be able to compete with some of the surrounding bars and some of the surrounding uh, content houses in the area. Uh, I think this is a great solution. I think it tackles both a short-term and a long-term solution. This year, we don't got to pay. Next year, we don't got to pay. If the rate of gentrification sustains over the next 10 years, in which experts are saying that it won't, but if it does, then we'll be able to, in those 10 years, be able to catch up with the property tax that we're currently at. But since, this is Sankofa's argument, but since we are a community-based bookstore, we should be able to grow without feeling the pressures 
of gentrification. And I think, again, I think that is a wonderful solution. So I think Monday there was a protest and a um, not a protest. I'm sorry. There was a committee hearing in D.C. We'll be hearing about the results of that as the week goes on. Uh, I think several hundred individuals showed up to what we would call City Hall um, to 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 show their support for Sankofa as a community organization, support this tax abatement, right? So that was the solution they chose. But there was another question that popped in my head and it just made me wonder, it was a challenge almost to, uh, to, the, to the, the patrons of Sankofa. Can we not make Sankofa more money? Now just hear me out. I understand the pressures of gentrification and in no way am I trying to uh, 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 be on the side of the government and saying that this small bookstore should be able to keep up with some of the condos and high rises that are around. But the other part of me is saying, okay, why isn't Sankofa a better business? This is not a scathing review. This is simply a question. This is an idea that popped in my head. The question is, can we make Sankofa more sustainable? What does that look like? So Jay-Z made a billion dollars and I'm not saying that we should go to Jay-Z and ask for money. What I am saying is through his diverse portfolio, I think he has set an example of how a brand can expand without losing its true uh, essence or its true value at the bottom of it. So I'm looking at Sankofa and uh, I'm saying that I have an idea because I have put no action to it. It's simply an idea. I'm wondering, uh, are the practices that we could do at Sankofa create content around it, maybe a better marketing strategy, maybe some investors, maybe create a, create a foundation that supports nonprofit no, donation to Sankofa, maybe partner with the local Howard University to become the secondary official bookstore of the community. But I, have to, I just have to wonder, in the rise of gentrification, when businesses like this are hit in the face with a property tax, let's say the D.C. government says no. Because we can't pay the property tax, does that mean that the community loses out on Sankofa? It can't just be all on the government, right? Where is the community's response outside of supporting the hearing that shows up with dollars at Sankofa in order to keep this business alive? Um, again, I'm saying that it's purely an idea because, again, I have done no action. And maybe this will lead to a proposal of mine or a proposal of yours. Maybe I'm just giving you a freebie. Go make 30000 with Sankofa and you probably get a good little piece of that. What I'm saying, though, at the bottom of the day is I think there is an option. Call me naive and call me a, a foolish optimist or even the greatest fool, but I think there is, a, there is a response in fighting back to gentrification that doesn't solely respond on the government. I think the black community, the the D.C. native Washingtonian community can do a better job, including myself, the creative uh, in the creative sector. We can do a better job of adding actual value to our establishments that we respect. Sankofa is a staple on Georgia Avenue. We need to keep Sankofa open and we can't just rely on one source. That is the government to seek almost a little pity. I know that sounds a little hard, but seek a little pity on us so that we can keep the things in our community. It cannot be just dependent on one thing. So if you're hearing this idea, including myself, I think it's time that we step up for these institutions and we bring that creative strength and power that we would take to an Eaton Hotel or that we would take to a, a Rock Creek Social Club or a Marvin or something of uh, those big natures and try to find ways to invest back into the things that we create staples. It sounds like I went too deep. I hope I wasn't going too deep. I just wanted to give you an idea. It's just me in the studio tonight. Anyway, 
that's pretty much the end of the show, y'all. That's over the shoulder. This has been your boy, Bimo Brown. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram or OTS.pod. That's OTS.pod. We're putting up fresh content every day. Uh, I want you to also be looking out for couple of events that we got going on. We're going to be having a festival in the Sandlot in South Southwest at the end of August. We'll be going to having little speakeasy situations um, throughout the month of June. So make sure you stay tuned with us and follow us on OTS Pod. Um, Backpack Matt will be back in the studio with us next week. Mr. Lexi, I appreciate you again. Full service radio. Appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.